Super Yacht Radio. Making you feel good all day long. Hello, here is Armin Müller, the White Cloth Sommelier, and we are here and have a lovely spring day. It is sunshine, it is still cold. The, you know, I'm the sommelier and I'm looking always on the wine plants and the wines are still slipping, but in a couple of weeks this will also change. And today we have a very, very special topic we still had not covered. And I'm proud to have very cool guests today out of the world of gin. And my guests today are from Switzerland, Austria and Germany. And we will have this fascinating topic. And before we are going deeper into the topic, as usual, we start with a song. And today we have from Wenger Boys, We Like to Party. More music to make you feel good. This is Super Yacht Radio. So back again. And... It is a great pleasure to having you all here. So I would like to start with you, Arthur. Arthur is the man on a spirit mission. And he is most probably the best and well-known person in the world of fine spirits. He is also a member of the jury in IWSC in London. And I could continue this list for what he is doing, but the easiest is that I give the word to you. It's a great pleasure to having you here. And please introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, Armin. Great to be a guest on your show. Uh, my name is Arthur. I'm a, a trainer and consultant for spirits. I'm doing this job, or I'm in the business since 2004, um, coming out of the gastronomy, having studied uh, hotel and, and restaurant management, being a, a wine sommelier as well, and born and raised in a distillery. My father was a fruit farmer, so therefore uh, I literally have distillation put in my cradle. And um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting field. And uh, Gin is one of the favorite uh, topics we have. As you said, I'm touching quite a lot of competitions worldwide. We do the Swiss Spirits Review as well for Switzerland, uh, International Spirits Challenge in, uh, in, in Germany, and uh, even going to China and South Africa whenever we get invited. So uh, there's a quite wide field of uh, experience and study on spirit. That sounds already very cool. And I'm also glad that Arthur will help us today because one of my guests couldn't make it today. So one of the lovely gins we will present together. And I'm curious to understand if you also have a favorite spirit or favorite label. So um, what is your favorite spirit all over the different spirits you normally present? Well, see, um, I, I don't have the favor of, or, or I don't have the freedom having the favor of a spirit. So uh, I think that depends on the, the, the mood, on the, on, the t on the time of the day and uh, with whom people you are sitting. I mean, um, I, I, I literally doesn't have any brands I, I favorite. 
it's a style of spirit I do favorite, a, a classic juniperi gin or a, a bold uh, and, and peaty whiskey. And, uh, and it depends on the, on the mood and with whom I sit to, to pick one. I think that was not only a diplomatic uh, answer, but also a good answer because all of our guests will stay your friends. <laughs> uh, because if you would have now favored one of them, I think the other ones would not be so happy. So I love your answer. And I would now give the word to uh, Susanne Straubinger-Meiler. And she hmm, has a very typical German name, but her story and her gin is uh, called Oro Ibiza. And that would lead me to the Balearic Islands. So uh, at that moment, we are still not going into the detail, but uh, yeah, I give the word to you, Susanne. Give me a hint what we can expect today from you and your gin. The word is yours. Hello, Armin. Hello, Arthur. And hello, the rest of um, this little round. Good morning. Yes, I'm not a distiller like uh, the distillers around in this group are. I am a lawyer and I lived in uh, Ibiza with my children several years. And um, con considering uh, this island, I saw that there are so many natural resources that people don't know. So they know Ibiza from being a party island with wonderful DJs and clubs and everything, but nobody knows about the, about the, the, uh, the, fruits and uh, uh, the things that has this island beside, like uh, uh, a lot of farmers and the outback is very full of little farms, little fincas and all they produce there. And uh, so I, I, I was a little disappointed about the reputation that Ibiza has only as a party island. And I always wanted to make, a, to appreciate this wonderful time and bring something from this island um, to the world. And um, first, um, I thought about bringing salt, but it was uh, not such, such success, successful. And after a little while, I remembered there is juniper in the island. And so came the idea to producing a chin. But as I don't know how to produce chin, produce chin, but I know how it should taste. My way went to Arthur. And I have to thank him such a lot because he was my guide through this successful way. And he was, um, yeah, a, a big, uh, the, the, one of the biggest parts of a successful story. Thank you, Arthur, again for guiding me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm already curious when your part is uh, in the show to understand the, the full story. It sounds very challenging. So, The second gin we will savor today comes from Switzerland. And the man behind is Mr. Peter Angel. Thank you for being with us, dear Peter. And also your gin has an exotic touch. So Morris Monaco Orange Gin. So I know you already since 2009 when I interviewed you first time. And it's amazing to see you... In the meantime, with your own company, so the Wild Out. The word is used to introduce yourself. The stage is yours. Hello, thank you to be on the show. Great to be here. Morning to everyone. Um, yes, my my story begins actually 30 years ago. Uh, 
not not as an educated distiller and but i married into a austrian family so to to be honest it's not only it's only my my development or or let's say that the wild alps not only evolved out of my 30 years in the industry but it's together with my miss teresa my wife and um, yes the the wild alps uh, it was something like like you could mention it as a as a concept that evolved over the la last 30 years it's kind of a um, heart's desire to 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 work uh, with this uh, big bounty uh, natural bounty we have in this region where we live and grow up and uh, the definition of the wild alps in our experience in our in our lives is uh, starting from the mediterranean alps and 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 doing the the whole and seeing the whole range of uh, these uh, tradition of uh, develop developing cu culinary uh, culinary highlights out of what is growing growing in there. It's somehow the similar thing uh, we heard about uh, the situation in Ibiza. When you go deeper in the, into the food traditions of, of the country we live in, and you are happy to grow up in the Alps, uh, you, have a, you, you have a great project. And it just evolved over the time. And uh, B, for us, it was clear we wanted to do something, uh, develop further what we were in, this traditional Austrian Alpine spirits we produced. And so it just one step by step, we just found us in the situation and uh, the founding of the Wild Alps distillery was, uh, was somehow just a consequence uh, out of it. And all the stories that came together that maybe later to why it's called Morris and why it's called uh, uh, Monaco Orange, <laughs> why our brands have sometimes English, English, English names uh, 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 labeled with stories and telling stories about Englishmen in the Alps. Cool. That sounds really, really to hear more about it. And um, now I give the word to 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 to, to Turicum. Turicum is a Latin name of Zurich. So, and today we have without with together with us mr merlin kofler and mr oliver honegger and they both founded this very young company so uh welcome both of you and who of you both starts to introduce yourself uh good morning everyone we're great to be here on the show thank you armin um uh, my name is merlin kofler i founded uh, Turicum together with Oliver Honegger. Uh, the company is as young as, as we are. Uh, we <laughs> uh, we came out of the hospitality business. We used to work at the bar together. So we enjoyed gin and poured gin for, for many years. Um, had a little bit of know-how um, from there. Um, never, never, uh, experienced uh, gin from the city of Zurich. So we, we knew it, there is time uh, to produce a Zurich gin. And um, we dove re really into this new business for us. We founded the first distillery in the city of Zurich. Um, we unfortunately didn't have 
someone as uh, author with us who helped us. We did a lot on uh, YouTube. Uh, also, I'm from Austria, so my grandfather and my uncle are uh, are distillers. So we had some know-how that we received from them. Um, yeah. So young young company. Um, sure, we do a lot of things different than than others too, but more to that. Uh, later. <laughs> uh, so I give the word to Oliver to introduce uh, himself. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oliver? <clears throat> um, yeah, to our persons. Uh... Ah, sorry. Uh... Are you nervous a little bit? No, no, no problem. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, to my person, um, I'm a chef, actually, learned chef. I'm a chef in the third generation. My father was a chef and my grandfather as well had an own restaurant. And my father, I have also a little bit experience of spirits. Um, my father makes a lot of liquors uh, ourselves. We also have some landscapes in, uh, in the canton of Zurich. We do a lot ourselves, and there are some of the botanicals that come from these um, areas where I come from, and as well some botanicals um, we are using for making simple syrups and confitures for using at the bar. It's also come into the gin. As a chef, uh, <laughs> was the best idea to took me as the distiller from the company and the Merlin as our CEO to arrange everything in the company. Very good. And I'm glad to hear that you are chef because one of our points in our show is always to find good ways to combine the wine, the whiskey, in this case, the gin with some awesome food. So whenever our other guests do not have enough ideas. I think I will pick you and uh, you can give us then some extra hints. So, love to. Thank you. Ah, no, no, no. We have still Mr. Roger Müller. So, I give the word to you. We stay in Switzerland and yeah, Roger is responsible for a lovely small batch. He's a very small batch producer from the outskirts of Zurich. So very near where my home is. And yeah, please introduce yourself, Roger. Yeah, good. Good day, everyone. And uh, thanks uh, for having me here, Armin, in this, uh, in this show. I feel uh, very honored uh, to be in this illustrious round of uh, gin professionals, actually, because I think uh, we're probably this, uh, in this uh, field. Um, uh, actually, when we are talking about Rooftop Gin, which is our brand, uh, Rooftop Gin is my wife and myself, and we don't really have a history in the gastronomy or in uh, distillery. I'm working for an IT and technology company my wife uh, works in, in retail and uh, our history started actually maybe three years ago um, with uh, producing syrup, but more to that later on. Uh, but the story with the chain actually started during COVID 
because we both love gin. And when we couldn't go out anymore to bars, uh, we said, well, why not combining our herb syrup uh, together with, uh, with a gin? And instead of buying all, all the time gin, let's uh, do it ourselves. And that's uh, how we started. Um, we are still learning. Um, as I said, we, uh, we are on a journey, uh, but it's very exciting. We learn every day, every week, something new around uh, how the gastronomy is working, uh, you know, what you can do with gin. And uh, yeah, we are very excited uh, to uh, continue that journey. Great. And that's very inspiring. Today, we have the whole range from two, three years of experience to 30 years of experience. And uh, I think that's a lovely mix. So thank you, everyone, so much for your introduction. Very inspiring. And now, dear spirit lovers all over the world, dear captains, owners, and stewardesses. So this was already a great first round. And now we will enjoy a lovely song. Let's listen to Life is Beautiful from the afters. This is Super Yacht Radio. We are back again. And now let's have a little step into learning. So, of course, the show is about having fun and maybe you're already pouring your first spirit or wine into the glass. But let's have a couple of minutes to learn What is gin? So, um, Arthur, additionally, what we heard during our self-introduction, you also have an academy, so where you teach about gin and more in general about the spirit. So please tell us in a few words, what is gin? Well, telling you in a few words what is gin is quite easy. It comes down to one sentence, but explaining what is the universe of gin is almost impossible in these two hours. So, um, I mean, if you if you look at the law, it says gin is a juniper forward uh, spirit. And that's about it. It doesn't declare where it is juniper forward. Is it in the uh, final product? Is it in the recipe? But there always should be, shall be, might be, some juniper in gin and beside that uh, that core component of juniper is surrounded by coriander by several different citrus peels um, by different roots by different herbs by literally everything i mean um, only the end of the imagination of a distiller is the uh, is is the is the brackets of a gin recipe And I think the colleagues from Turicum will uh, definitely jump in there and, uh, and, and, and tell me uh, there's nothing that you can't put in a gin as long as it follows some, some, some base rules. Uh, and that makes a fascinating universe. And I've always been asked why gin um, has such a huge standing. And I think that's quite clear. When you come to whiskey, you need for each and every whiskey style one bottle. And uh, it's perfectly fine that whiskey fans and friends talk hours about, uh, about whiskey and they have 20, 30, 50, 100 bottles of whiskey at home. But literally, if you have three bottles of gin, three different botanicals uh, as a garnish and three different tonic waters, you make 27 different drinks. And that's the beauty of gin and why people love it, because they can play around with it. Very cool. And I think that was 
a perfect introduction into what is gin. Um, but the, let's say the story is a little bit, let's say, more complicated or more diverse. So you have gin, you have distilled gin, you have London gin. So can you describe in a few words what is the difference between these three types of gin? Absolutely, of course. So we are getting into the other two hours. <laughs> um, no, fine. I mean, if you look at the history, gin comes from Geneva. Geneva has been the, the base product where gin builds on. And um, Geneva is a twice distilled grain distillate with juniper and coriander distilled the third time. And it was in old times. And from there on, gin has to be produced on a neutral spirit. So whenever you produce a gin, the base alcohol in Europe needs to be ethanol distilled up to above 96 ABV. So that's about the base. And then you have different components. If you just call it gin, literally everything is allowed. So you can even take some alcohol, put in some essences, steer twice and bottle it as gin. There's nothing wrong with it. It just lacks the heart and the craft. Um, when you talk about distilled gin, it means it's an intermediate between gin and, and dry gin, London dry gin. Because on London dry gin, literally after distillation on a pot still, it's not allowed to add anything but water after the distillation to the heart of the distillate. And distilled gin is something in between because it's these days quite common that you add flavors or something after distillation. It might be some flowers you add, it might be some, uh, some typical botanicals from your region you add into the bottle. So distilled gin in Europe means you added something to the product after distillation. Not to be mistaken with the US distilled gin, which has the same meaning than dry gin in Europe. So and dry gin itself, just sorry, means you're not allowed to add sugar. That's a quite European term, dry, not allowed to add any sugar above 0.05 grams per liter, I believe. But I have to give that back to the producers. Not too sure about the grams. <laughs> if I understood that right, dear Arthur, that means that theoretically, theoretically, a gin, if it's just gin, then it could be also just an infusion. Is that correct? Well, an infusion itself has been in the in the ancient times, especially when it comes to the uh, the dry period in the US, 1920 to 1933, when they just soaked the botanicals in the alcohol and uh, and and bottled it afterwards. But nowadays we are more talking about man-made essences. Rarely anyone bottles uh, stuff with just botanicals soaked in alcohol because then you also take out the bitterness and other components of the botanicals and you might end up with something tasting like a bitter <laughs> instead of a gin. Got it, got it. And I think also our listener got now the difference. Was very appreciated to have this short introduction into what is gin. And now let's go into from the theory into the praxis. And yeah, Susanne, we already had a good talk before and it was amazing to hear your story. Can you tell us a bit about your Oro story? So it's a story between Germany and Ibiza, 
from the idea over the process how you decided to become a successful woman in the gin world so additionally to being a lawyer <laughs> yes so i didn't decide to become a, a successful lady in gin it came with the chin, but I didn't decide it first. I just wanted to good to make a very real good product. And um, as I'm a lawyer, and I didn't want to be a lawyer that occasionally makes also one or one more chin, um, I wanted to give the product a very good uh, foundation. And I decided to make education as an Edelbrand Sommelier in the Hochschule Weinstefan. This is the university, the oldest um, agricultural university of Germany. It's beside Munich. And I visit their uh, education. So I am not only a lawyer, I'm, I am a chin producer and I'm a, um, I'm approved uh, Edelbrand sommelier. And um, as I knew that uh, I'm not able because I'm not a distiller, I can't do, I can't produce, I can't create a chin like it should taste. I needed uh, to find somebody who makes the recipe um, like I wanted to taste it. So I knew exactly, I knew absolutely exactly how I wanted my chin to taste, but I didn't know how I can bring it to the world. And my colleagues in the education in Weinstefan, they said, well, there are two or three uh, persons in Europe or in Germany or in, in Austria you can go to. And they, that led me to, uh, to Arthur. And um, when I remember very well, when I came to him to the Bodensee and it was in, nine, in 2013 or 14, I don't remember, the, in these times, the new Western chins were modern. So as Arthur said before, um, you can add flowers or whatever, every taste, everything to your chin and it is still a chin. But in my opinion, or my my wish was to make a classical chin. And I remember when I arrived, Arthur didn't know that. And when I arrived, he said, so you want to make a Mediterranean chin? Uh, do you want to add uh, rosemarine or lavender? And I said, no, I want a chin. I want a really good chin. And I, I want a juniper, which is the chief of the chin and not all the flavors around are quite nice, but I want exactly this one. And he was, so he laughed and he said, so very happy. Oh, then let's make a London dry chin. And I said, yes, exactly. That's is. I want a London dry chin. So this leads me again to what Arthur said before. Water Ibiza chin is a London dry chin which uh, has only um, natural botanicals. And nothing else. So th um, that is already. Let let me interrupt you for a, a moment, dear Susanne. That is already very inspiring, and I tasted, of course, your gin already. And uh, but I'm interested to hear. Uh, you told me your idea was born after your first flop. So you were offering the salt, which you already mm -hmm. uh, said in your introduction, and this was not working well. So instead of uh, stopping all this entrepreneurial stuff, you said, wow, I made a second step and that is so great. So please let us know a little bit about what encouraged you to make a second step. 
Um, well, it's uh, it was um, in Ibiza. We have Salinas. Salinas is uh, uh, beside the Salinas Beach where they make salt. And um, I was always good because there is a salt hill and everybody can, can go there. And you can take just a handful of the salt and take it home and use it. And um, well, I uh, put always the salt in regular plastic supermarket bags, little small bags. And when I, when I flew home, I fly home to, to Germany, I brought this salt to my family because I thought it could be a good idea to bring our original natural salt, not treated with any chemicals. I just need the salt and every, it, it is a, not a fine salt. It is like salt uh, sticks. And um, I thought they should be very happy about that. And maybe when I, I, I went there on, 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 on uh, Christmas and gave them the salt. And when I came back, maybe on Easter, the salt bag lay on the same place, untouched, like I brought it on, uh, on, on, on Christmas. And I was really disappointed because the people didn't appreciate my idea. And uh, several weeks later, I saw exactly the sal de Ibiza. It was exactly the salt that I took in plastic bags uh, in all supermarkets because a guy from Berlin uh, had, often, of, uh, had the same idea and he packaged it in clay jars and it was all over Europe, it was the Salde Ibiza. And for me, this was like, oh God, I could have had this perfect idea. And if I once get another time, an idea what I could bring from Ibiza, I will bring it to the end. And friends of mine, they have a distillery beside where I live there. And one day, one, one of those, they gave me a, a little, uh, they, they let, me, let, let me try a drink. And I said, hmm, what's that? And he said, this is chin. And as I also come from a, um, a spirit family, because I'm not, I'm not in, in spirits, but my father, he had a lot of um, supermarkets with uh, all kinds of, of, of drinks, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. So I knew about gin and I was drinking gin when I was younger, but I, I didn't get the idea before. And with trying this gin from the friend of mine, it made cluck and I knew chin, juniper, Ibiza, good bottle, good packaging. This will my my next step. And so started the story. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I have the, the bottle in front of me. It's amazing bottle. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, you can yeah. see the packaging. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, more important, of course, it's uh, it's uh, content itself, but Already the bottle is very luxury-like, so it is written Oro Ibiza touched by Tenet. Tenet. Tenet yes, yeah? she's the goddess of Ibiza. So that is cool. And then London Dry Gin taste refined with botanicals from Ibiza distilled and bottled in Germany. So mm -hmm. uh, it's 43% alcohol. So let's Put a little bit into the glass and let's taste this together. It's you have to click it beside. Not not like that. Look. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so open it like a beer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So transparent color mm -hmm. and very oily. And already on the nose, typical botanicals, uh, juniper, but also a little bit of citrus and some flowers. Yeah. And um, are you um, concentrating the, uh, the, the botanicals from Ibiza, just the juniper or also some others? Also them others, some others, but the main is uh, juniper. Um, but maybe let uh, let me tell you a little secret about why it is so smooth. Did you try it? No, cheers. <laughs> okay, then. So maybe you will uh, you will taste. It's very soft. It's forty three point two alcohol, but it's very very warm and soft. It, it's very very warm. It's very very soft. However, it has a great a little spiciness mm -hmm. on the upper front of the tongue. And uh, it is really like the sun is, is going up. So uh, the sun is rising. So it's a really great product. And um, yeah, um, my first, first thing was when I tasted it yesterday. Um, hmm. Maybe time again to bake some smoked salmon blinis <laughs> because I think this is a great combination with your with your uh, gin. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I prefer to drink it like uh, with appetizer. It's perfect. Um, first of all, um, I like to uh, accompany it with uh, salted almonds and uh, and. Um, I drink it pure, like we tried it now. Um, and you said before, this is this oily. This comes uh, from the kind, the 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 way it is distilled, because we distill it very soft and very, with uh, different temperatures. It's not distilled like a original regular gin, and that's the reason why all the um, um, all the um, oils are are inside. So you can drink it very very well pure. As a little aperitif, or also a digestive, like a single malt, maybe. So you, it's not necessary to use a tonic as well. A tonic is yeah. Very I, good. I totally uh, agree with you. However, at the end of our show, we will talk a little bit about mixology, and maybe you have also some great ideas. Not only the traditional gin tonic, but maybe something really fancy. So. Uh, Think about it in between. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was a great start. Um, I love it. It's really smooth. So it's, um, we will have today different tastes of, uh, of gin. We have five different tastes, which we will have. And this is really also a gin for, I would say, and not, not take it negative, but uh, a gin for beginners. So uh, we will have one gin at the end, which is a little bit like um, a little bit like medicine, the first taste. But this is really also, if you have no experience with gin, I think it's really smooth to go into the palate and uh, really appreciate gin from the very first moment.
Yes, thank you. And as I told you before, um, try it pure so you can you you don't need tonic because it's so smooth, and the etheric oils are still all in, and there's no need for lemonade. Good. So thank you, dear Susanna. Uh, was already a great start with thank your you. with your with your gin, and now we are going to Peter. So with your brand, the Wild Alps, and you are not only producing gin, but also fine spirits in general, many of them also awarded. Can you tell us at the beginning a little bit about your philosophy, maybe also about the production process? So because you write handcrafted on your gin. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we have to start with uh, maybe why, why does... Uh, a company like uh, the Wild Alps distillers exist. So if, uh, if there is uh, something like, as I mentioned in the end, uh, uh, at the beginning, and there's something like a concept uh, of the Wild Alps, then it, uh, it has evolved over the last 30 years. So Theresa, my wife and I are in the industry for 30 years and have developed almost yeah, countless products, but especially in the very traditional Uh, let's say alpine spirits uh, uh, tr tradition so fruit spirits from fruits okay there was i had some experience the first chain i did was maybe 20 years ago for a german for a german client who was interested in and uh, and uh, also i was uh, as, as someone in the industry i was at the beginning of the whiskey whiskey tradition in austria And, and the Alpines, I, I had uh, contacts to the whiskey distillers, but I, for me, it always, it was not, uh, there, there, there was not the, the authenticity of it because of the, why, why whiskey, why producing whiskey in the Alps? But uh, that's another story. Finally, we do it, <laughs> but it had to evolve. It was not just, not, you know, it, it's really some, some, some kind of a, a heart's desire to do something that's true and that's authentic. So with gin, it was different. It was the first spirit I loved to drink. And so I'm one of the old guys who, who comes out of a time when there was in Austria, there was only the big, the big names uh, we still have today in the industry. But it's similar to, to what... Uh, what we heard before about, uh, about the Ibiza d'Oro, the, the idea for me was gin is juniper. And everything that has to be in a gin for me uh, is something that probably is in the juniper berry as well. So for me, uh, someone who loves to, to, to stand in the kitchen and, and, and create, his own, create his own recipes, um, uh, juniper is a very rich, a very... Uh, valuable uh, fruit that, that gives so much and has so intense aromas. And for me, it was about combining these aromas in the juniper berries and create a gin. Coming out of the tradition of distilling fruits, it was, and, and out, out of, yeah, this philosophy of bringing the nature into the bottle, it was never, never any discussion if it's a London dry gin or not. It had, had to be. For me, it was no no idea it's it, it had to be so we started with the london dry gin and uh, we started with our first uh, uh, first trials in in 2016 
and uh, we had this idea to bring something from this alpine region into the gin and it was uh, for our traditional london dry gin it was blossoms but they are are in a, a process as a london dry gin and they are they're in the distillation process now coming Coming, uh, yes, out of this Alpine region, I, 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 I totally right. I, I define the Alps as, um, as the really as the, the these, these, uh, how we say it, Alpenbogen, these, these, this arrow of, uh, of the Alps starting in the Mediterranean over the Piemont, the French part, the Swiss part, Austrian part, and, and the surroundings. It's a, it's a region where everyone, when he thinks about it, when he traveled there, it's really, uh, the, the region, the tradition of, of these uh, uh, culinary uh, experiences and uh, this, this tradition of, of original products processed over generations to perfect food. In many cases, what I love, very simple recipes, but evolved over generations. So when, when you have a, a really, really traditional, uh, let's say simple food uh, you you don't uh, you, you should always uh, uh, have in mind that it was probably evolved over generations and then you know these four components give produce this way give a very good product so that was somehow all together was the basis uh, uh, for the wild alps when we started with the wild alps uh, there was quite a lot more than spirits so we started with uh, with uh, smoking fish <laughs> so, <laughs> and, cool. and, and then it, everything came together we started with smoking fish and um, and then uh, the reason why the gin is called Morris and our whiskey and rums are called Mount has to do with two Englishmen that uh, left their footprints in the Alps in Switzerland as well as in the western part of Austria so coming to Morris uh, when you see the label and uh, uh, it's it's a velvet it's print on velvet and uh, uh, William Morris uh, uh, is uh, the he was the uh, designer in in the 19th century and architect it's kind of uh, universal genius and he was also architect and he designed this and developed a technique to print on velvet and it's the, our labels for the gin are based on the original design of Morris, uh, which was produced for carpets. And, and, um, and the, uh, Morris had to do something with our mount uh, situation because Search and Oakley Mount built a huge hunting lodge in a pretty Scottish style in the Alps. And Morris was the architect. And a friend of ours or his family 30 years ago bought this, uh, this estate and we were guests there for many, many years. And sitting there 10 years, well, not 10 years ago, six years ago, thinking about uh, what to do next after I left uh, my uh, former company, the former company, I was general manager of a distillery in Austria. Sitting there, uh, suddenly everything, everything met together and there was a story. So it was no concept. It just, maybe it was somewhere in the, in, in, in the air, but uh, we soaked it up and there it was. And um, yes, the idea we have with the, the Wild Alps distillers is to produce very traditional, uh, very, let's say, basic in the sense of uh, back to the roots, back to the traditional process, produce, uh, produce top fine, fine spirits. And the focus is on gin 
and and whiskey and rum. But of course, when you start in uh, six years ago, seven years ago with with whiskey, this is a story that has to evolve over the next year. So with gin, of course, we had something coming out of the distillery where we can do what what fruit distillers have to like to do uh, to put your hand on and and do your different different uh, recipes of botanicals and distill it. And in 2017, it was clear it had to be a long, uh, traditional London ride chain. And uh, then we also came in contact with Arthur, which who, whom I know for, I don't know, maybe 30 years. From the time, we are from the same region. We are from this community of fruit distillers, let's put it that way. Uh, there is countless distillers allowed Lake of Constance, uh, Austria, Switzerland, and Germany, who do all the same. They distill their the fruits. Many of them, the fruits they grow on their own uh, uh, land, and uh, they, they produce uh, fruit spirits. And uh, yeah, from, the, from, from there, everything started. So this is, this is how we came into this business. So it's by family and by, by, by being in the industry. And it was then somehow it was clear in 2017 uh, that we'll start this uh, project, the Wild Alps Distillers, and produce our own spirits. And the, as I mentioned, uh, it's maybe already there was no, no really a business plan behind it. It was really a, a hard project. We loved to do it. We knew we can do it. We had the experience. And so we started it off from there. And, very, uh, very, very, yeah. very cool and inspiring story. So I know you already since 2009 when I interviewed you the first time, uh, still the general manager at Hammerle. And what amazed me at that time was that you're you call it Edelbrände, so very fine spirits of the fruit. And I remember your raspberry Edelbrand, which was so lovely. Um, and yeah, so now I'm curious and we will put some of your Morris Monaco orange gin into the glass. Also, this one, very transparent and oily. And here, additionally to the, to the, um, to the juniper, is really the, the orange flavor. So um, let's have a zip. Compared to the first one, a little bit stronger from the very first beginning and also a bit more spiciness. Mm. Very mouth-watering yeah. and yeah, very lovely, unfiltered, but... Um, I, yes, I that's, uh, as you mentioned, the color. Uh, now, of course, uh, even though we, we run in shortage of gas due to the actual situation, and maybe in the future we have uh, two degrees uh, lower temperature in our rooms, but no, uh, it's 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 very interesting. This um, this um, the, the Monaco orange gin about maybe a short two words about the, the history. In in 2019, we had the opportunity to distill uh, bitter oranges harvested in 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 the Principality of Monaco, 
And uh, the, the very interesting thing about this is that the, there's a friend of ours in, in Monaco who is producing, is collecting and harvesting these uh, oranges because uh, there is no use for them. They are planted in the principality uh, just for the beauty of the trees. And uh, yes, it, it was, of course, it's going back to, to 200 years ago where it, where it, where it was a sign of prosperity uh, uh, and, and, and richness and the, 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 um, the noblemen love to have the citrus trees and the orange trees in the gardens. But uh, we met him by, by chance just, and, uh, uh, and then we, we realized he has a still pot in, in Monte Carlo. So the first batch we did even in Monte Carlo, it's not distilled in Switzerland. Why? So but it was a hassle to bring it out of Monte Carlo because Monte Carlo never had a distillery. And this is a, uh, uh, yeah, we need a, a bottle of gin, a bottle of wine to tell the story how we brought then these 200 liters to, to Switzerland to finish it uh, uh, here in the, in the distillery in Bernick, where we are located. But uh, the inter interesting thing about this, when we distilled it, so I, I brought the junipers, I, I brought the junipers by car to Monte Carlo and distilled uh, three batches, three, three still pots, we, we, we distilled gin there with this, with this uh, fresh um, uh, orange peel. So the difference to a traditional London rye gin recipe where most of the, the, the gins add some, some citrus zests, uh, 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 dried is that we we use the fresh orange peas and for me it was a shock uh, the first the first run was a shock I I, I asked uh, I asked the guys what did you still what what you said you cleaned the, the still pot because I thought they were doing pastis or anise or something like this because there were so many intense uh, flavors uh from from and it only could be the, the the orange peels because all the other it's really based on a traditional uh london rye chain uh recipe but we added we added this fresh orange peels and so this was the, the fascinating thing and the next thing is our chains are unfiltered when they're really young and fresh if you reduce the temperature they would go misty you even don't have when you have it in the car like temperatures we have here now around freezing point it could be that you, when you pour it into the glass, it's a little mistiness in there because uh, we have this uh, very intense, um, in intense uh, uh, aromas of the oils, which, uh, which are there after, after stealing. And, uh, and we, we have our chains with 47 uh, uh, alcohol uh, volume percent. So that was another thing because my tradition, as I tell you, I had the first gin I did, and I was very lucky uh, when, when uh, uh, even before we were in the bottle, we sent we sent uh, our chain to to the uh, international violent spirit competition in London. And uh, as, as I know, Arthur is there a head judge. I, I, I got I got the, the the results of the tasting, and there was a tasting with uh, sponsored by uh, Fever Tree uh, uh, Tonic Water to do a. Uh, gin and tonic tasting. So we were around top 20 with, with uh, our first batch of, not this one, the, the London Brighton, but we were under the top 10, I, as I remember, tasting it with, with tonic. So for me, gin is always something that I, I did not distill a gin to, to, uh, to, to drink it neat. It was not the main, the main object. And uh, to, to make the picture complete, you have been also awarded as a 
best uh, gin out of Switzerland in 2020. So I think that is a very awesome result. And with the history, I think it's a perfect drink for super yacht owners. <laughs> and also the, the first one was awarded in IW, uh, ISWC. Yes. Yeah. And, yes, see, uh, I think I think that's 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 something that uh, that that's uh, that's uh, uh, even in this competition we, we were talking about uh, uh, these uh, new Western style chains earlier. So that was not never my intention. I and as I said, for me personally, I did not really understand them because for me, Chin uh, had uh, uh, his category and this juniper and. Um, Yes, these, uh, these uh, Monaco orange, for me, it was interesting because it's not this traditional. It has this intense citrus and it's not, uh, you know, an orange, you know, maybe for uh, orange lemonade. It's really the bitterness. The bitterness is not in there, as Arthur explained already when you distill it, but you have this intense aromas of, of the peel of the orange. Huh? Yeah, because it's, we only use, it's really, we only really intense. And uh, when I made the research, actually the first time an orange gin was... Uh, mentioned in the in the writings was in 1876 and it was then uh, in the in London in Covent Garden market and so it it is it, it has really a long tradition and yeah my question to you is what would you pair uh, not only the traditional nuts and so on what would you pair to a gin like this <laughs> you never should ask a chin drinker what he pairs with chin. He would, uh, I, I think, no, I would say chin. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, no, I, I think it is very, it was, it, for us, it was not, not to the intention to create something to do a Mediterranean drink. Our intention was to captivate the Mediterranean Excellent. taste in the chin. But I think it goes very well. As I mentioned before, we, we smoked fish and we were trying to, to do uh, alpine, um, alpine uh, specialities, uh, alpine food product. But I think this would go very well when you, when you take it as, a, as, a, as an aperitif. It would go well with, with, with maybe, a, yes, a, some, some blinis and a, and, a, and a salmon, but it's just, uh, uh, I was not prepared for this, this idea because for me, it was not the the, the food bank, but it, it goes very well with this. It even goes talking about tonics and talking about this gin and tonic tradition. I think this is a very personal and a very individual individual uh, decision. And I myself changed over the over the last years because at the beginning I said uh, gin is it, it it is gin and tonic and not tonic and gin. So if we had if I produce a gin, I want to be he is, he is the main role in, in, in the glass and it's not tonic. But uh, yes, over the last year, we had very interesting development there. And so it's a really an individual. Yeah, it's, 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 about, it's about testing and, and finding your own favorite. So it's, it's as Arthur mentioned in, in, the, yeah. in the beginning, it's a huge, a I can huge understand, I, can, I can understand your standpoint. However, so people always want to know. So it would go yeah. also with olives. It would go with a lamb steak. It would go with a salmon steak. So, uh, of course, normally uh, it is not, let's say, the tradition to to go with a gin to, to the main course. But you could do it. And I think it would be mm. a very lovely idea. So now we have talked a lot and it's time to have a short break 
and a lovely song. And after the song, we are back in our great White Love Sommelier show today with a topic, gin. This is Super Yacht Radio. We are back again. And dear listeners of Super Yacht Radio, so we had already two gins tried and tasted. And um, the first one, Oruibica, the second one from the Wild Alps. And now the next one is the Barber's Gin. Unfortunately, the uh, Mr. Thomas Storn, who is the one of the founders, couldn't make it. So they have two founders, Thomas, Günther, Gerhard and Christoph, and nobody of them could join us today. But uh, we have the expert, Arthur, today, and he knows also the company quite well. And I think we can also have a good tasting with this lovely Barber's Gin. And yeah, um, Barber's Gin is a very special name. And these four gentlemen are really barbers. And the distillery is in the same building as they cut the hair and the, and the birds of people. And so it is... It is a gin um, on the bottle. You can actually read fascinating flavors of the owl. Um, no, um, no, no, sorry. Um, more than haircuts. So more than haircuts. And uh, maybe you have a little deeper insight into this distillery, Arthur? Well, actually, yes. Um... It's four, four barbers, and they are real barbers. One of them is even the, the guild master of the local uh, barbers. So um, actually, Christoph Schrobel is uh, the same vintage than I am. So uh, we went to school centuries ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during, during COVID, he approached me because we, we saw us mostly once or twice a year on a, on a local spirit festival. And I know his fascination for, for Irish whiskey and for gin. And um, during COVID, he approached me and said, well, listen, our shops are closed and we do want to make a gin. And I said, well, that's a beautiful idea, the barber's gin. Um, and everything originates from his vision, from his... Uh, idea of whiskey and I'm not too sure if people know that but uh, um, the Guild of Barbers and Insurgents uh, has been uh, one of a very important uh, guilds in, in, in Scotland originally so 1506 if you look into the books um, one of the British kings bought whiskey from the Guild of Barbers and Insurgents so they had an initial license to sell whiskey in their shops. And that guild came into London as a company in 1540 as well. Um, and the idea behind was that barbers at that time not just gave a haircut, but also had the license to extract teeth. And yeah. whenever you see that white, red um, sign for barbers in, in, the, in, in, the, in the UK or in the international context, uh, White was for the haircut and red was for the operational thing of extracting teeth. Mm -hmm. 
So and for the bloody, bloody part of it. <laughs> absolutely, for the bloody part of it. And as they didn't have any Anastasius then, it was the alcohol that numbed the, uh, the pain of the people. So the idea was to uh, create a gin with uh, possible herbs uh, that are good for the hair. And uh, I mean, if you look into the... Uh, If you look into the different botanicals, quite a lot of the stuff is good for the hair, like lavender, which is inside there, coriander, even juniper, and some other greenish herbs uh, do have a good influence on your hair. So that's the story behind it. And as you really mentioned, uh, the distillery is in the cellar below um, Thomas Sturm's own barber shop. And uh, it's a beautiful, small German still where he produces not only gin, but also fruit spirits. So originally they all come from the fruit spirit side as a, as a, as a consumer or as a producer. So, yeah, this is, um, is made in Austria in the Montafone, and I have put some of their gin into the glass. It's in the nose, very, very mild and Also, the oiliness is a little bit less than the other ones. Very mild in the nose. And let's have a zip. Very clear, very clear on the palate. Very, very, very clear. Um, of course, the juniper but also some citrus, some um, like elderflower, I would say. Um, and yeah, the oiliness is in the palate, a very long aftertaste. And yeah, so they said it is a, the, the speciality of this is that it is done with a Uh, Quellwasser, which means the source of the water in the, uh, the Montafone Alps. So this also is going to the Alps. And this is a classic dry gin. So um, it's not the London style, but the classic dry gin. And um, yeah. Well, see, I mean, that idea with the mountain, with the glacier water from the own, uh, from the own spring, that comes clearly from the fruit spirits and every of the producer going around that in Austria, you have uh, by law the, uh, the allowness to distill your own fruit. So potentially that goes back to Maria Theresia, um, to the uh, K&K monarchy. So um, each and every one that grows or picks his own group, Uh, his own fruits is allowed to distill it in Austria. So we have around 120,000 licenses for distillation and uh, a little bit more than half of them do own their own pot still. And literally all of them are allowed legally to produce gin as well. So coming from that fruit spirits perspective, um, water, clean water is something very important. And quite a lot of the distillers know very small springs somewhere in the Alps where they especially go to and get the water to dilute down the spirit, to give it more mellowness and softness. And that's what, where the idea comes from, the glacier water in, in this product, in the spring water from the Montafone region. 
Yeah, for, for all spirits, water is uh, the, the, the most important thing. When I was with my guest for the whiskey tour in Ireland, every of the distilleries uh, were proud of their special clean and pure water. So, and uh, the, the same is also for the for the gin, of course, yes. It is, but um, mostly with whiskey, the idea originates far earlier because you need a good water for brewing the, the beer to be distilled. Exactly, yeah. Here it's mostly just to dilute it down. And uh, one of the biggest enemies of all the producers is having too much jock, having a hard water, um, because that can give you white, uh, white hues in, in the liquid. So uh, they try to get as soft water as they can, and that's commonly spring water and not the one from the lower ground. Yeah, a pity that Thomas couldn't make it today, but I think we managed <laughs> very good. And uh, are you um, informed also if this has also awarded uh, somehow this? this well, actually, actually, no, this is quite young. Mm -hmm. uh, they exist only for half a year now, and they couldn't manage to enter it at any competition. Uh, but I knew they, um, they are constantly... Um, working on the culinary front. So um, we had the talk before how you can combine it. We already did this. This works perfectly with scallops. And uh, having uh, sautéed scallops uh, on a saffron risotto, um, this, this works perfectly out because the oiliness of the citrus and the uh, fine herbs and juniper. I totally agree with you. Yeah, that would be very good idea. Um, yeah, so I think uh, Thomas will be proud of you and me <laughs> that, we, so. that we managed that. And now we are continuing with our journey and we will be back in Switzerland. And now in Switzerland, exactly in the Zurich area. And this Gin is called Turicum, and Turicum is uh, the old Latin name of Zurich. And so, um, yeah, we have here now um, Merlin and Oliver, and I know your story started in 2012 visiting UK gin distilleries. So is that correct? And maybe you give us a little insight in what happened then. Yeah, so, well, the, the story of Turicum started in uh, 2013. Um, like I said, in the beginning, Oliver and me, we both worked in hospitality. So we worked at the bar together where we poured a lot of gin and we worked for a quite famous uh, a gastronomic uh, person who, who owns many restaurants in, in and around Zurich. And I used to be responsible for cocktail menus. And um, so one day I decided to fly to London together with Oliver to see how the, the London bar scene is, is doing cocktails at the moment. Because usually the London bar scene is is ahead two years with their innovations and cocktails and the way they combine flavors in cocktails. Uh, so we flew to London to see, uh, to get some inspirations for, for our bar menus. 
And during the day, we had to, to do something as well while the bars were closed. So as, um, as, we, as we both love to drink gin, we decided to um, visit gin distilleries and join gin workshops. And that's what we did for a couple of days. And at the City of London Distillery in the heart of London, they offered a workshop where you were able to produce your own bottle of gin with a very small pot still. So we went there, did this three hour workshop where we created our own bottle of gin. Mine, mine came out horrible. <laughs> the one that Oliver did was excellent. That's why also now he's the one who's responsible for the Turicum gin, the distilling process and everything, production. And I take care of, of mostly the rest. Um, so at this day, when we did our gin, um, after the workshop, we went to those bars. We enjoyed the cocktails. Uh, we had a, a lot of drinks and at about three o'clock in the morning, um, sitting outside of the bar on the street, um, we talked again about the workshop that we did this afternoon. And we said, actually, I told Oliver, actually, you did a really great gin. We should do a, our own gin in Zurich. So that was quite a drunken idea. We came back to Zurich and we kept on to that idea and said to us, hey, we really should do this gin. So we thought it's going to be a pretty simple task, um, which it wasn't, because for us, it was very important to to really be a part of the process. So we wanted to found our own distillery. So we didn't want to go somebody else who does the distilling for us. Um, we wanted to be involved in the process and do it on our own. Um, and we lacked on experience, like I said in the beginning. So we, we had to learn a lot with YouTube videos, um, asking my uncle who is a, who is a distiller in, in Austria and a lot of trying out. Um, so it took us about eight months for the recipe of the traditional Turicum London Raichen that we started with. Um, a lot of tastings, um, a lot of different botanicals. For us, it was very important to, because we, we started as a very local gin. So we found the, the first distillery in the city of Zurich. We're still the only producer in the city of Zurich who owns his own uh, pot sales. And we came up with the name Turicum because Turicum means Zurich. So we're, it's for us, it's some, we're some part of the history um, with that first distillery of Zurich. Um, also with our bottle, which is not made out of glass. It's uh, some sort of yeah, that I already wanted to ask you, but I didn't want to interrupt you. So for me, it is like, uh, like, I don't know, um, uh, Steingut, I would say yeah. in German. So, uh, I, like, I'm not sure of the English name for Steinzeug, but uh, it's a sort of ceramic, but it's, it's burnt hotter. Um, so it's more stable and, and um, <laughs> it also it, it gives it, it keeps the chin very uh, cold for a long time. You could keep it in a, in a cold place as we like to enjoy it. Um, and it also gives gives it a little bit of that historic touch that we. And uh, so my daughter already said to me, 
Papa, when if we finish this bottle, you are not allowed to throw this away. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I assume that she will put some uh, a lovely rose or something in it. So she <laughs> used it as a as a soap dispenser, as a vase. Yeah, uh, we get a lot of pictures of people all around the world that use the bottles in different ways after they, they, they drank it. Yeah, that's nice. And, and so also the bottle is uh, part of, of, the, of the gin as well, right? So it needs to look nice. It needs to taste excellent. Uh, so there, there are many, many things that are important when you produce gin. Um, and um, one, one question which might be also interesting, um, um, the, where you are distilling now your gin, is it also like an event location or is it just like a production place? Yeah, so uh, we started in, um, um, in a very small uh, living house, like in a regular house. We were in the, in the basement and in the first floor um, where we first, uh, we distilled there for four years. Um, and we got a lot of um, people that came to us and asked if, if they could come to us, use it as an as a event location. And uh, back then we didn't have any space, so we couldn't really do it. And two and a half years ago, we uh, moved our distiller. We got bigger. We had a, a new, new location, very close to the one that we used to be because we still want to have the same water, which we also learned today, water is very important in gin. So we wanted to stick to the same, same water in the area that we are in. Um, but we're bigger now and we're also event location now. And we also kept on to that workshop that we did uh, back when we had the idea for the Touricum gin. So that there we did the workshop and we did our own bottle of gin and we really enjoyed that workshop that brought us to the Touricum gin that we have today. We also offer that now at our distillery. So we have the Gin Lab workshop and that we do it five times a week where people can join us at the distillery and make their own bottle of gin. Wow, then one of your next tasks will make a workshop together with a white love sommelier. <laughs> You're always welcome. Good. And now I have already poured it into the glass. Uh, and now we have... a. Um, which is the, the wood barrel gin. And yeah, so this is totally different color. It's like an amber orange. And uh, yeah, you see the oiliness. And on the nose, totally different aromas what I had before. It's just slightly the juniper, but also a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of tobacco, and a little bit of a chocolate. Yeah, the wood barrel and is one of our little younger products. It's not our classic on the right chain, but a very popular one and also um, very high voted uh, gin uh, at the uh, spirit reviews that uh, Arthur did. Um, so as Oliver is our head of production and he's the one who distilled it, I give the word to him. Okay, let's first have a zip. Cheers. Cheers. High oiliness in the mouth also. A little bitter almond touch. Then, of course, the juniper. The, um, 
again, the chocolate, the vanilla, a bit of other herbs, which I cannot describe, May maybe a little bit of lavender, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, very, very lovely, but very different. So, uh, totally different. very different. Yeah. And you, you see that the color is really, uh, maybe you will disclose to our listeners what kind of oak I have uh, already informed myself you you are using oak sandalwood and cheddar is that correct and are you That's then correct. blending yeah. it or are you so yeah I get... the way the way to produce it uh, it starts the idea with uh, with one edition we did for the men's world in 2016 I made it uh, with classy French limousin oak um, up to this edition i was starting to uh, talking to different coopers how we can use our classy london rachin to make a new special product out of it and every cooper said to me yeah use uh use use it barrels uh like an old whiskey barrel or a or sherry barrel or whatever and for me was this every time um, it was not uh, stable as a, it was to me uh, every batch you did with a barrel and as well with a before use a barrel uh, comes out a different product that's why I go to the wood chips uh, I'm be honest and as well made uh, an, an own blend of different woods where you didn't can find barrels as well. You didn't find southern wood barrels. Some little producings in Japan for sake and as well for miso paste and you never will find the sandalwood uh, barrel. That's why I made a blend out of it because I want to push the London dry chin in a new area and I also want to have the, the consistency quality every batch I made. That's why I use chips that I prepare before uh, it goes to the barrel. With the Just London to understand it clearly. It is oaked in the barrel and you put additionally chips into the barrel. Is that correct? It is barrel. <laughs> it is with wood barreled. So it is, uh, it is uh, then uh, aged in a, in a steel tank and you put the chips into it. Is that, is that correct? Okay, got, got it. So, but uh, this awesome uh, color, mm -hmm. is that coming from, from the sandalwood then? Or a... Yeah, we used two different oaks. Um, one typical American heavy toasted oak. You have it um, for the rum notes, as you said, for caramel, vanilla um, notes, as well, French oak, medium toast. I see a character of cognac and as well, and as well uh, southern wood chips non-toasted and sandalwoods and you have the heavy toasted oak from uh, from america it gives the bright dark brown color and as well the sandalwood brings the amber tone in it got it 
Yeah, very as you are the chef, now it's up to you also to give some recommendation what what you would what you would try to to combine from the food side. From the food side, um, the Oakwood um, Turicum gin is really good for as well uh, operative as well with uh, combined with just added uh, ginger ale, not tonic. And in this combination, you can have in like an opera digestive and digestive as well. In digestive, you drink it neat to a, to a bite of a, of a nice chocolate as well for to a chocolate cake. We had friends, they own a restaurant here in Zurich. They offered to a dessert with a ginger cucumber sorbet and flame it uh, Turkum wood barrel gin on top. Yeah. And as well to a nice cigar. Very cool. And your, your gin has been awarded as a best oak age gin 2020. And what my idea was to combine this with just a dark 70% dark chocolate. Mm, yeah, good choice. Very cool. So we heard a lot of information and now it's time to make a cut for music. And we will be back after a lovely song. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio. Back again, dear listeners, to have now one more gin and this gin is also produced in the surroundings of Zurich, actually in, if I'm right, Ötvilamsee, which is a small village in the outskirts of Zurich. And so we stay in Switzerland and I give the word to Roger. And dear Roger, yeah, the question to you is, what makes your gin unique? Let us participate and listen to your story. And maybe also important, you are not producing only gin, but also syrup. So which is a great idea also to combine with different flavors. So curious to hear your story. Uh, thanks, thanks, Arming. And again, uh, thanks for having me here in this, in this round and share our story, which actually really starts not with gin, but uh, with, uh, with syrup and give you a bit of a uh, of a history of that, uh, as you said, uh, we are living outside of Zurich uh, on the countryside uh, in a very old house, uh, 1865 it was built and uh, during the time it was uh, rebuilt and renewed. Uh, but uh, originally it was a place where the farmers uh, brought their milk and the, the owners of the house, they produced uh, cheese, locally cheese actually. Um, so we are really on the, on, on the countryside we have a big uh, garden uh, with uh, with herbs garden we have a lot of flowers and, and trees around it and uh, the story really started actually with uh, my wife Sandra because she is a, a big fan of the drink Hugo the famous drink with Prosecco and elderflower 
And uh, during uh, summer 2019, uh, we actually discovered, you know, we have a big uh, elderflower tree in our garden. And uh, then the idea started why we are buying elderflower syrup, we can produce it ourselves. So that was our first uh, start uh, in, the, in the syrup business, I would say. And then we discovered that we have a lot of herbs uh, in our garden, which uh, could be, you know, a good uh, essence for, for syrup, like uh, basil, like rosemary, like uh, hibiscus uh, and, uh, and other stuff. And uh, so we started to really think, okay, let's, let's try to uh, do some uh, syrup flower, uh, flavors. And uh, right now we have more than 12 uh, different flavors. Um, and uh, that was actually the, the start. And we always call it, uh, we are producing syrup for adults. Because when you hear syrup, you think of, you know, uh, uh, the, the syrup for, for small children, uh, which uh, they, they get. Uh, but our idea was always, how can we combine syrup with uh, either Prosecco or with, uh, with some other um, uh, distilled uh, uh, things and as we are both um, gin lovers, uh, during COVID-19 uh, winter 2020, um, when we couldn't go out to bars and uh, drink our favorite uh, gins, uh, we said, well, uh, I think it's time to produce our own gin because uh, we are a bit uh, with Artur um, saying, you know, you don't need a lot of different gins and different tonics, but the combination makes it and depending on your mood, and uh, we have built a, a small, uh, uh, a small room into a billiard and smoker lounge uh, at our home because we also love uh, smoking cigars. Um, uh, we we started to combine the different things with different uh, flavors of our syrup, and uh, then uh, this was actually the the time uh, where we said, well, we want to produce our own gin but uh, we also wanted to have a classical London dry gym. So we didn't want it to have something very fancy uh, because mm -hmm. we always said it has to be a gin which you can drink um, on its own or with a, with a tonic or with different syrups. So that it means it has to be somehow really kind of a classical gin where you smell the, the juniper inside, but it needs also its own character. And uh, during winter 2020, we started. As I mentioned, we don't come from a distiller family. We are not in gastronomy. So we did a lot of research. Uh, we looked up uh, literature. We spoke to barkeepers, you know, what makes a good gin. And uh, we then uh, started to test and try, actually, uh, at our home uh, to figure out you know, what combination um, makes uh, the gin we want. Uh, so that was a lot of trying. So Sandra was always uh, the person who, uh, because she does it by intuition, actually. So we looked at uh, what... Uh, what, <laughs> what, what amazed me was in many gins you see with botanicals, but you, in yours you see with 12 botanicals. So maybe you would like also to specify a little bit what kind of botanicals you are using for your lovely gin? Yes, sure. Um, as I said, we, we wanted to have a classical dry gin, so juniper should be the base. Uh, but we also wanted to have a bit uh, 
a different flavor. So the second flavor you're smelling when, when you have it in your nose is, uh, is elderflower. And these elderflowers we are collecting actually um, around our house. Uh, so in spring we collect the elderflowers and uh, in uh, late summer we collect uh, the Dibären. The um, so it has a, a kind of a, a flower taste uh, beside uh, citrus, uh, as we also have uh, citron and, uh, and orange uh, taste uh, in, uh, in it. And uh, a couple of other flavors uh, which are also um, around from from our from our home. Um, what is special probably is uh, that uh, um, depending on the on the temperature and specifically when you mix it uh, with a tonic, it also gets a bit misty. Um, also because of the the oils uh, it has from the different herbs in it. And uh, that makes it uh, a bit special. And as uh, we, our target was actually really, and the name says it rooftop gin, um, you know, the rooftop bars, uh, because the idea for the name came actually on our rooftop, uh, on our terrace in, in summer. And uh, we said, we want to have a gin where you can drink it pure with a, with a tonic or makes it to a nice cocktail on a rooftop bar, but also cigar lounges. As I said, we, we love smoking cigars. So as an alternative to a whiskey or to a room. And uh, I think that's how it smells. I propose to raise a glass and uh, have a zip. So also this one, very transparent, oily. And yeah, um, it's soft, very soft in the nose the juniper and the elderflower of course but i was also hmm, thinking to identify a little bit of rosemary mm -hmm. and yeah let's have a sip and here when i tasted it, it is the other day together with my daughter who is also sommelier then then she said papa this is really medicine. <laughs> and, uh, and I think from all the five whisk, uh, gins, which we tried today, it's most probably the gin, which is more uh, traditional, like a little bit like medicine, but it's not negative. So, um, and then I put for her as, um, a cube of ice into it, yep. and then she loved it. So, um, it's very interesting because uh, you know when uh, last year we tested uh, the the gin actually on local markets, so we went on our, you know very traditional markets uh, where we um, have our syrup and the gins. And uh, interestingly, specifically ladies like the gin because they said it's it's really kind of flower and it doesn't really um, it's not too spicy. Uh, but you can make it spicy. So, for example, when you uh, combine it with our inward chili or ginger chili syrup, then it gives you a very spicy taste in, uh, um, um, when, you, when you swallow it. Uh, but it's really interesting. We get a lot of different feedbacks, and I think that makes the character very interesting. And what I noticed out of these five gins, which we tasted today, it's the most oily one on the palate. So in, in the glass, uh, not necessarily, but on the yeah. on the palate, it's it's the most most oily and creamy one. So 
Yeah. And what would you combine in case of food? I know you are the cigar lover, so you would go for the cigar, but maybe you also have an advice which kind of food we could yes. combine with it. So, so first of all, I think uh, our chin is very good also as an aperitif uh, chin, and it goes very well with uh, pistachian. I don't know the English word. Is it pistachio? Yeah, so pistachio. Pistachio. Pistache um, or with uh, olives or, as you said, you know, just uh, pure chin uh, together with a cigar. We haven't uh, tried yet uh, in combining like with cooking, uh, but we are more than open to get uh, some recommendations from, uh, from, the, from the team here. Thank you very much, Roger. Uh, I think we had a lovely uh, journey through... Germany, Switzerland and Austria to have different kind of gins. And now um, we would like to have a short discussion with everybody about mixology and trends in the gin world. So um, um, yeah, I would like to ask you, of course, gin is something which you could uh, drink straight on temperature so room temperature with ice but you could also have the gin tonic but to have a little bit exotic maybe <clears throat> ideas for mixology so i give the word to you maybe we start with you turicum uh, because you're the chef so you you might have an idea about that <laughs> yeah well especially for the wood barrel gin that we tasted today um, as Oli shortly mentioned we really uh, recommend um, to try the wood barrel together with the, with the ginger ale because it's a really nice alternative to the classic gin and tonic. And a lot of people are not that much into mixology or into making cocktails. They don't have all those this equipment at home, but still uh, would like to try a simple, fast and new way to enjoy uh, a, a long drink or a gin, gin cocktail. So with the wood barrel, it's really a good combination uh, with some fresh orange and the ginger ale um, that works re re uh, really well. Um, for what we really love to do for our London dry gin is London dry gin, um, some fresh lemon juice, and as we use pine tips in our gins, we make a kind of simple syrup out of the pine tips that we add also to that mixture. So our gin, pine tip syrup, and lemon. And you shake, shake that, add a little bit of soda water, and you have a really nice cocktail as well, uh, which perfectly uh, is to enjoy on a yacht, of course. <laughs> very, very cool idea. Um, Susanne, what do you think? Um... I was thinking the whole time what I could tell you, and I think um, my philosophy is to um, drink the gin during the year with the fruits that are coming in the gardens. So please be encouraged to take a gin tonic or a, <clears throat> or a, a, a gin with water and bring uh, basil into it, dill, cucumbers, orange peel, whatever you find in your garden, whatever you find in your market and try it. So it must, the people must be or should be more creative to try something new. And um, 
I tell you this because I was making pictures from the from my Orochin, and I put a lot of basil in the glass only for the picture. And I said to myself, "Oh, this is so. Uh, this is a trend. I don't think it is good." And another in another glass, there was a lot of cucumbers and dill and lemon. I said, oh, "It looks good, but mm, I don't think it's good." And then I tried it, and I realized, "Wow, this is so good. Um, this is wonderful." And um, so I mean, you should during the year you should collect whatever you find and enjoy your drinks. With that was the nature's gifts to you. And uh, to come back to your question before, um, for the menu. So I would also encourage you to uh, cook more with juniper, maybe uh, fish, wild, uh, veal, whatever, add juniper. And then you have the basic for every combination with chin. So this is mm -hmm. my recommendation to you. Actually, I... Your, your, your gin, I tried first uh, from, from all these five different gins. And the other day, I had a typical German food, which is uh, Schupfnudeln with sauerkraut. And there I put the juniper in it and I tried the gin together with it. And it was a good, great match. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Good. Yes, this is also my experience to be off uh, open for all your ideas and to open your mind for ideas and that's the good um, result then good peter do you also see some trends in the gin world or yes uh, of course there i mean i i didn't To be honest, I didn't follow follow all the trends because, uh, as I as I mentioned, I, I stuck to the to the tra traditional. But um, just to serve, I think that's that's what we mentioned. Uh, I think Arthur mentioned in the beginning. The, the the interesting thing about chain is that it gives everyone um, the the opportunity to do to do his his experiments at home. To go into recipes or cocktails, it's very difficult because I realize it's it's much better than it was 10 years ago. Uh, many people at home have their their fridges that produce uh, quite nice ice cubes, but uh, um, you know that there it starts. And um, for us, it was uh, always the traditional thing for for our for uh, Morris Monaco because it's so intense in this bitterness and aromas. It even takes some 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 experiments to to make what I love very much as an aperitif is a classical Negroni. And this, but this is also. No, uh, going to a bar and asking for a Negroni uh, sometimes is disappointing because uh, uh, you've, but it's also a good experiment to test the bar. If the bartender really, really is into, into it because it's not only combining uh, Campari, Vermouth and the Chin. It's a big, big story about uh, which <laughs> Vermouth goes with your, with your Chin. And there we, we are still ex experimenting actually. But This is this is something. Or then with a chin, for me, it's very nice to, to do a gimlet. But there, it's already something that's you always. The first one is not working. <laughs> Everyone has to, to 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 train it at home and, and test it. As mentioned, you have to, to see what's what's uh, working well with our traditional London right chin. For us, it was um, a similar stories of all of ours on on our terrace. There grow small wild uh, raspberries. The small ones and it looked so nice and we took it 
and we put it into the glass and realized it tastes great. So we then, with the traditional London Dry Chain, which is very uh, focused on juniper, um, you realized when we add something like very fresh uh, and tasty raspberries, and what we did, it was also because it looked nice, and we had it on the terrace. We, instead of the green of the of the raspberry, we added uh, some uh, rosemary, uh, small small branch of rosemarines because it looked like uh, yeah. Instead of the it, it's great, and you have a different product in there, and you only need need some some good not not too sweet uh, uh, Indian tonic. And it gives you something else. But then we are there where everyone can experiment at home. And gin is, is easily, you can go to your garden or the spices, the fresh uh, spices you have in the kitchen and, and make a gin and tonic. And you will realize it's somehow enforcing the aromas that are in a good London dry gin already. In a good gin, you have a lot of aromas. And my impression is when you add something in, you're just multiplying what's in there already. So... This is, I think, the, the, one of the reasons why gin is so popular at the moment, that it's so easily to combine and, and really you can make very simple uh, drinks at home as well. And you don't need to have all the equipment and uh, the, the, the stock of spirits to create uh, crazy cocktails. Thank you so much, Peter. So Roger already mentioned what you would do from the syrup side. So I will skip you at that moment and I will give the word to Arthur. What, what do you see? What kind of trends do you see? Well, I think um, it's it, 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 a perfect position to, to round this off. And I, 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 we really saw this is uh, cocktails with gin is hit and miss because originally it's quite classic cocktails like Gimlet or uh, Negronis, and, and not each and every one is, uh, is, is able to do that at home. And um, like Roger said, with the syrups and, uh, and like Peter said, um, it's quite okay to do uh, with your local, with your local and, and seasonal fruits and, and, and botanicals and as well with syrups. I'm just back from from London last week, where we judged uh, contemporary style and, and 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 London dry gins. So something that didn't come over yet from 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 England is something called flavored gin, and I think that perfectly fits into that uh, into that position because people commonly I'm not talking about the geeks themselves, but uh, commonly they are not interested in doing too much of a fuss at home themselves. So the new generation of gins comes like a, like a cassis. It's a, just a substitute to be enjoyed with Prosecco. You put something on top to make to make it a long drink and, and, and add a garnish. And I have to admit, maybe it's not that classic style gin we all experience today when it comes to flavored gin, but it's a whole new playground for the distillers to put their gin as a base and add some sort of typical flavors and make it a base product for people at home just for convenience to make uh, a fruit cup out of it, to make a long drink out of it and to, enjoy, to have a simple enjoyment at home. Thank you so much, Arthur. Yeah, that I think was a good rounding up. Yeah, thank you everybody for this lovely show today. It was a new format today because normally I was just interviewing 
one winery or one distillery and now we had really like a round table so it was really um a, like a talk show and yeah i would like to thank you everybody first i give the word to susanne straubinger meiler it was great pleasure to having you here we started with oro ibiza touched by talit and it was great pleasure to having you as my guest i give the word to you first Yes, uh, it was also a really great pleasure to present my Oro Ibiza Chin with, uh, with you in this nice round. And uh, thank you so much for having, uh, to hearing to my, to my ideas. And as I said before, please try and be open to make your own creations with the chin, but never forget it also is very good when you drink it by uh, room temperature. Uh, as a pure aperitif. So this was would be my uh, little speech for today and be safe and thank you very much. Yeah. Bye -bye. And if people would like to hear more about you, it's it's then uh, oroibiza.com, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. And there's also the shop. So I will send you through the shop uh, a little bottle of Oro Ibiza chin. Very cool. Thank you so much. Then... Mm -hmm. Our next guest is Peter, Peter from the Wild Alps. I also give the word to you. Thank you for being our guest. And so here the, the, the website is wildalps.com. And I give the word to you, Peter. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for, for having me on the show. And... Uh, Yeah, it was a pleasure to, to meet all of you. And uh, yeah, just, uh, let's say, don't forget drinking gin. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, it, it, at least it gives, uh, it, it's always, always a, a, a good start for, for, a, for a nice evening or nice dinner, or even have it as a, the last drink uh, for going. That's how I started uh, drinking gin 30 years ago. With the, the gin and tonic was the classic uh, uh, one for the road. It was a gin and tonic. No, it uh, it's, uh, was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, uh, thank you again, having me on the show. Thank you. So, sir, thank you, Peter. The third gin we had was from www.barber-gin.com and so we'd like to thank uh, Thomas Storn who couldn't make it today and your gin was outstanding good so um, next time I hope that we can have uh, maybe him again so and then the next one was Turicum I give the word to you both. <laughs> Oliver, would you want to start? Or? Yes, thank you very much that we uh, had the chance to have us here in the show. Um, yeah. Be open, try, try different chins, try whatever you like as well. Come visit us, try to create your own gin here in our destillery. We have 51 different uh, options to, to mix it. And yeah, you will see there are so many flavors you can use for. That is the theme for the show today. You can 
you can rule the world with gin. Thank you. And I give the word to Melin. Yeah, it was a pleasure uh, to be in this round. I think most of it has already been, been said. Uh, for every listener, I would recommend to try every gin, every gin all those five that we heard today. Uh, They're all uh, unique and, and, and great to taste. Um, yeah, like the world of gin is a playground and, and, and makes a lot of fun. And, and we enjoy having that fun every day producing gin. And I hope that the, the viewers out there, the, the listeners, uh, enjoy drinking it. Uh, hopefully not every day because it would be a little too much, but at least uh, once a week. <laughs> yeah, it's never about quantity. It's always about quality. So <laughs> thank you so much, Melin. So the website here is turicum-gin.ch. And last but not least, Roger. And here we have the website rooftop-gin.ch. Okay, so I give the word to you, Roger. Yeah, thanks again, Armin, uh, to having me here in this show. It was really an honor to, to be in this, uh, in this round. And uh, I really liked the, the comment from Arthur, you know, that uh, these uh, flavored chins uh, will probably come from the UK in Europe because that was originally really our idea that, you know, we, depending on your mood, you can mix it with different flavors of, of syrup at home. And uh, we are glad if that, if that comes over. So uh, enjoy your chin of the day, if it's on a rooftop, if it's uh, in a cigar lounge, or is it on a on a boat? Um, enjoy it and uh, yeah, discover the different flavors of uh, of chins. Thank you so much, Roger. So Arthur, um, please mention also your website, and I would like. Uh, Thank if you. you. If you like to learn more about gin, uh, if you want to create your own, go for Turicum. If you want to learn more about it, uh, spiritosenacademy.com. We run courses for the Gin Ambassador course and also uh, several sorts of uh, WSET courses. Um, but at the end, I'm with Merlin. This is a playground. I'd like to add, go for it, be playful um, and stay safe. It was a quite delightful exchange today. Thank you very much for, for this, Armin. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, everybody. And dear listeners all over the world, if you still have not tried a gin today, go and grab one. And otherwise, maybe a glass of wine. Wherever you are, I wish you a pleasant day. I hope you also have so great sunshine as we have here. And important stay safe stay healthy and see you again in a couple of weeks with a now with a great new white love sommelier show so thank you so much and see you next time more music to make you feel good this is super yacht radio Does provisioning make you moody? Well, look no further than Super Yacht Foodie. We source and test the finest food and drink, so when you order, you don't have to think. Check out the Super Yacht Foodie Instagram feed if gourmet inspiration is what you need. We don't sell the products directly to you. We work with all the provisioners you already knew. 
Contact your favourite provisioner or agent if you want the finest ingredients sent. We will connect you with the suppliers directly who will fulfil your orders 100% correctly. Email info at superyachtfoodie.com if you want to know where the best ingredients are from. Follow Super Yacht Foodie on Insta and Facebook and tag us to share the exquisite meals you cook. Super Yacht Foodie, rediscover your passion for provisioning. Super Yacht Radio, making you feel good all, all day, day long. long.